Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. We have been discussing Chapter 6, Dhyana Yoga, Yoga of Meditation and Contemplation. So far, we have seen in Chapter 6 that Bhagavan has emphasized on quiet mind. The basis of all the practices is mind, and as long as you can control the mind, you can become a yogi. So Bhagavan had said, Samatvam Yoga Uchade, equanimity is yoga. In this chapter, he also says, Dukkha Sanyoga Yoga is yoga. The detachment from the attachment to pain is yoga. We have a natural attachment to pain. Our mind goes towards pain more than it goes towards other things. The other way to look at it is detachment from all the objects which has potential to give me pain. If I can detach myself from all the potential dangers, this is what we try to do in our life, is to avoid all the dangers. We try to protect ourselves from any potential danger that we see in our life. But once said, if you can detach yourself from all the potential dangers, which actually includes all sense objects in this world, all sense objects have equal capacity to give me pleasure, has it capacity to give me pain. So therefore, if I really want to detach myself from all pains, all potential dangers of getting pain, I have to avoid all sense objects. So in verse 27, Bhagavan has concluded his teachings. Prasanta manasam hi enam yoginam sukhamuttamam. That supreme bliss which I'm seeking, all my life I'm looking for, Permanent happiness. I don't want temporary happiness, I want permanent happiness. But one saying that happiness is available to a yogi who has achieved this supremely quiet mind. Upeti Santarajasam Brahmabhutam Akalmasham. Supreme bliss comes to this yogi whose mind is peaceful, whose passions are quietened. He does not have any rajas. Brahma Bhutam Akalmasam has become seamless. There is no impurity on his mind. He has become Brahman. Brahma Bhutam. He recognizes that my own self, the ego, is none other than the Brahman. This synchronization of my ego with Brahman is the ultimate goal to achieve that final state of supreme happiness, permanent bliss. But the basis of all that is prasanta mana. It all boils down to whether I can have this mind completely quiet, completely under control. And then verse 28 to 32, Bhagavan has described the yogi who has achieved this state of becoming Brahman. He sees that self in all beings and all beings in the self. 
even in both perspective at the same time that he sees the consciousness in me but i'm also in the consciousness pot space is within the spot with pot is in the space also that dual perspective if i can have simultaneously i can synchronize these two perspectives but once it that comes only when the yogi has achieved this siddhi of quietening the mind and becoming brahman he sees sameness everywhere he never gets separated from the self and the self never gets separated from him one of the pot space realizes that the space outside me is no different than the space within me he never gets separated from me when my ego recognizes that myself the consciousness in me is none other than the consciousness everywhere so right now we cannot imagine that consciousness can be anything outside living beings but bhagavad gita time and again tells us that consciousness is all pervading we are all existing within the consciousness this world is created out of that supreme self there is no other material was available to create this universe other than the self alone and because the yogi has achieved this stage he sees sameness of the self in all beings now he has achieved a different vision you you and i have our vision right now is to live in this world by identifying the differences so the way we transact in this world is if i can detect differences then i can differentiate things one from another table is not chair chair is not table because they'll both look completely different from each other in different characteristics but i can also see probably the sameness in both are made up of wood that sameness when a person sees but the swami ji very cleverly puts it in the biblical term of that that person now because this is the sameness he loves others as he loves his own self i don't see any difference between doing something for me or doing something for others it's basically one and the same thing now now i also won't do anything to others which i don't want others to do to me because of the sameness that i detect in all things and beings up till now i was seeing only differences and that's how i lived my life by detecting differences and protecting myself from what i don't find conducive and then engaging myself in what i find conducive but now i don't see anything conducive on conducive but sameness is my central vision and arjuna has been very quietly listening to this and he has come to the conclusion that the basis of all this is prasanta manaha supremely peaceful mind and therefore he actually verbalizes doubt we have in our mind while learning bhagavad gita whether it is at all possible arjuna va yoyam yoga tvaya proktaha this yoga that you just described which can be achieved only by quiet mind samyana madhusudana of the sameness that you have described the yoga which you have described 
which requires that I see sameness in everything and every being, O Madhusudana. We discussed the importance of the words used in our scriptures. All the names used for Krishna or Arjuna are strategically placed as a Madhusudana, one who is the slayer of demon Madhu. In this life, we get attracted to things which are sweet for us, something which is nice, comfortable. We get attracted to them. The attraction in the end creates all my sorrows. If I don't get attracted to them in the first place, I won't have the problems which they are capable of giving me. Krishna is Madhusudana. He is the remover, he is the destroyer of this attraction to comfortable pleasant things. I don't see that happening. It's not possible. My mind always goes to finer things in life. When I find Marriott is better than Hilton, I want to stay at Marriott, not at Super 8. This is the nature of my mind. My mind always gravitates towards finer things and avoids painful, uncomfortable situations. I don't think that's going to change. Because the very nature of mind is ever-changing, mind is constantly flowing in various directions. Whatever the sense organs report to it, I was only experiencing 7-Eleven's coffee. My mind was always looking for 7-Eleven's coffee. I remember when we used to practice bhajans uh, in our youth group. We used to invite a violin player. The violin player, as soon as he comes, we have to send somebody to get his coffee from 7-Eleven. We couldn't offer him coffee at home. Oh, yeah, Subhas is here. Go and get his coffee from 7-Eleven. Because for him, 7-Eleven's coffee was ultimate. He said, mana is chanchala. As long as it is not experienced the other thing, he may stick to this. But as soon as it finds other things better than this, it's going to move on to the next thing. And then the next thing. Chanchalatvat sthitim sthiram. Therefore, I do not see this as long-lasting situation. Even if I practice everything that you taught me in this chapter about meditation. Find a quiet place sit down comfortably and focus on one point. Then once I focus on one point, if your mind runs away, bring it back. I may do it for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. But what is after that? After that, my mind is going to do exactly what it was doing before I sat down for meditation. So therefore, oh Krishna, this is wonderful discourse, but I don't think this is possible to achieve the permanent steadiness, prasanta manasam, which you described in verse 27. So very bold question, and very daring question, because he completely told Krishna that this is not practical. It sounds very good. It has good aesthetics. It's very, very pleasant to hear. But I don't see its application in my life. Because my life, I know how my mind works. And it's not going to be staying at one place as you require my mind to do. I think every one of us, without an exception, feels exactly the same. I practice how many minutes? 
we count in minutes meditation. But once again, it has to be a permanent situation. Your mind should be steady all the time. Chanchalam hi mana krishna, pramati balbadrudam. He said, I am not giving you this argument just to make an argument. But I know the nature of mind, my mind at least. Chanchalam hi mana krishna, pramati balbadrudam. This mind is chanchal, always going in different directions. Pramati, and it's very turbulent. Balabhadridam, and very strong and firm. Once my mind gets attached to an object, it's very difficult to remove it. If I start thinking about drinking coffee, I won't be able to concentrate on what I'm doing till I get a cup of coffee. The mind is very strong. I have to get up and get a cup of coffee. Then I can focus on whatever I was doing before. Then I put the coffee in that warmer I keep on my desk. Then I'll forget about it. After an hour, I'll realize that I got up, went and got a cup of coffee. Coffee was not really needed because I didn't even remember to drink. But at that time, the mind was so attached to the coffee, I had to go and get a cup of coffee. Swamiji explains here the word Krishna comes from the root Krishna. Krishna means to uproot. So Krishna is the one who uproots all these attachments from my mind, this Krishna. So therefore, Bhagavan Vedvya has very strategically put this word. Arjuna has not addressed Krishna as Krishna commonly. Chanchalam hi mana Krishna Pramathi balvadridam This mind is not only all over the place and going everywhere, but it's very turbulent, very difficult to control. And Dhridam, when it is attached to something, it's very difficult to disengage it from that object. Tasyaham nigraham manye vayoho ivadzu duskaram. Not only duskaram, not difficult, very difficult, su duskaram. I consider control of this mind as difficult as wind. And right now we have this prediction of hurricane hitting Upper East Coast. All you can do is get out of its way. There is nothing you can say will prevent the hurricane from hitting New York or Long Island. Divert it towards the sea. None of that is in our power. Even though we are superpower, only thing you can do is get out of its way. So this mind is as difficult to control as wind and therefore, O Krishna, I don't think it is possible. Even if I control my mind temporarily, permanently it is not possible. Therefore, this yoga is not a practical yoga. And Bhagavan then answers this question. He says, Mahabaho Manaha Durnigraham Chalam. We can learn a technique of how to win an argument. If we are debating or arguing or negotiating and somebody makes a point and if you right away reject it, that person will become even firmer in his opinion. I don't believe that he will become a firmer. Well, I don't, I don't agree with you. And that will continue. Nobody will win the argument. So Bhagavan, what is first, he agrees with Arjuna. He said, you are right. 
So first thing you do is agree with your opponent. No doubt. You are not wrong, Arjuna. You are not making argument just for the sake of making an argument. But your argument is very, very valid. Asansayam Mahabaho Manaha Durnigraham Chalam That mind is difficult to control. This is a very commonly known fact. The mind is not easy to control. So Arjuna, you are right. You came up with the right argument that mind cannot be controlled easily. However, it can be controlled. So your your second assertion that it can never be controlled is not really correct. It can be controlled. By practice, anything can be achieved. Practice makes a man perfect. It's a saying. It should be practice makes a person perfect, whether it's a man or a woman. So, by practice, you can gain anything. By practice, we program our mind to drive a car. By practice, we program ourselves to ride a bicycle, which technically doesn't make any sense that it will have a balance. By constantly practicing, you can control your mind. If you can train wild animals in circus, you can't imagine an elephant standing on two legs. But you go to see circus and you see the elephant standing on two legs. When that where the trainer gives a signal. Or a lion jumping through a burning ring. All that is typically unthinkable, unimaginable. By training the wild animal, the circus guys are showing us what is possible. He said, even if you consider this mind like their wild animal, it is trainable. What requires is constant practice. And by dispassion, by sannyasa, we have learned sannyasa. Sannyasa is renunciation of ego, renunciation of that idea that I am the doer. So it's a by constant practice. If you come to the conclusion that the way I live my life is not the path for permanent happiness, and the permanent happiness lies in my immortality, then you have to practice that path. So we started our abhyas from chapter 1, Arjuna Vishad Yoga. In Arjuna Vishad Yoga, we have accepted the fact that in our life, the situations are confusing and contradictory and not really conducive for permanent happiness. I have to do injustice to the people I love or, or kill, as Arjuna said. There are things which are very contradictory. If I do one thing, then I will be doing injustice to some other people, if I do this, I may, may not be doing what is good for me. So this life is very, very confusing and therefore there is a vishad in my life. Therefore, I have this sorrow in my life. And therefore, the life which I am living is not really a clearer path for permanent happiness. 
So that's my wish. That's where my practice starts. The acceptance that this is not the way to achieve my goal. So the next chapter told us then what is the goal? The goal is immortality. You are immortal being. Immortality is the only way I can achieve permanent happiness. And that immortality is my very nature. I just have to recognize it. And to that I have to work in a particular manner. Which chapter 3 told us Karma Yoga, how to act in this world. Chapter 4 told us you have to now stop acting and renounce this actions in knowledge. Who is the doer? Is I am the doer or the consciousness is the doer which is permanent? And then in the end, in chapter 5, it said, you have to renounce this ego. The renounce this sense of worship. And now in this chapter, it says, Prasanta Manas, with a very peaceful mind, I can achieve that. So this Abhyasa, which you have started, by just accepting the fact the life I am living is not really acceptable. The sorrows are not acceptable in my life. In Vairagyanachagruhyade. Swami points out that in our scriptures, you have to start Abhyasa first to get Vairagya. So you can't have the Vairagya first and do Abhyasa. So mostly we say that I will practice spirituality when I retire. That means when I have Vairagya. I don't have anything to achieve, anything to gain. I'm not retired. Now I'll practice spirituality. But once it should be other way around, Vairagya can never come unless you have Abhyasa, you've been practicing it. You've been practicing controlling this mind. You have to start this Abhyasa about who I am, who I am not, which will create Vairagya. With constant practice and churning in the mind that I am not this limited being, I will develop dispassion towards the world of objects. And therefore, I will have that enough energy to control my mind. Once it, there is a way, and the way is constant practice. And by constant practice, achieve dispassion towards the world of objects, and your mind will be controlled. It did not say that do not engage in the transaction with the world of objects, asanyat atmana yogaha duspraapahitimemadihi. That person who has not practiced this, gain control over his mind, for him this yoga is not possible. You are correct, Arjuna. If you have no control over mind, this yoga is not possible. However, vasyat atmana tu yatata sakya vaptum upayataha. However, one who has controlled his sense organs. For him, it is possible to achieve this control by above means, the means which I described in the previous one, by Abhyasana Vairagya. It is possible to control your mind and your sense organs, then achieve the state of Samadhi constantly identifying with the Supreme Self. We'll stop right here. If you find this podcast helpful, please support it by donating any amount by going to the episode's website at neilbutt.podbean.com or at chinmayarichmond.org.
थैंक यू ओम सर्वे बबंतु सुकिना सर्वे संतु निरामया सर्वे भद्राणी पश्यंतु मा कश्चिद दुख भाग भवे ओ शांति 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 हरि ओ श्रीगुरभ्यो नम हरि ओ